Welcome to Podcast of the Church. My name is Reed Huberman, and as always, I am with my pastor, Frank Ramsor, and then I've got C. Elliott Johnston next to him, and then Jesse Paulum. Uh, these guys are with us today, and we're going to be talking about human sexuality. I believe it's a relevant topic, not only because we're coming up with new versions of it consistently in the culture, but also it's important because uh, there is only one human sexuality. All of us around the table believe that. We, we don't have to call it biblical sexuality because we believe that what the Bible describes is the only kind of sexuality and everything else is a uh, an addition or a perversion to that. So uh, we're going to do that via the context of a conversation that just recently took place within, the, within a kind of large Christian circle. Preston Sprinkle had a conversation with a guy named Jared Moore. Now Preston Sprinkle kind of has a pretty large outreach and some of you will be familiar with with who he is um, and then most people I would say probably don't know Jared Moore but he's a PhD in systematic theology just wrote a book called lust of the flesh and he's a pastor in Crossville he was going to join us actually today uh, but because of various technical issues he wasn't able to do that but um, maybe in the future I, even outside of this context I think it might be good to kind of have the conversation with him but we're going to kind of give our reflection on this conversation because ultimately Preston and Jared's conversation was <laughs> was titled, Why is Preston Sprinkle a heretic based upon his views of human sexuality? So Jared believed that he is, and Preston obviously was defending himself thinking that he was not. Um, now, I would just say the general impression around the table was that conversation between these two men was, was something that left us a little bit with a little bit of consternation, with a little bit of frustration, simply because of a myriad of different issues which we'll get into here in this podcast. And the ultimate goal here today for us guys is to um, talk about the things that we felt like were, were beneficial, maybe the things that could be improved upon, but also try to provide some kind of redemptive takeaways, at least whatever additions we can provide to the conversation. Because this is a huge and important um, conversation to have, especially now, and we'll get into why. Before we do that, uh, let's just get general impressions around the table of what you guys felt like uh, the conversation kind of left you with, not necessarily digging into the weeds, but what was your general impression walking away from the conversation? So we'll start with you, Jesse. Yeah, so before we kind of dig into the content of the conversation, my impression was, I always say there's two ditches. There's a ditch on both sides of the road. Mm -hmm. you, can go, you can go too far or not go far enough. This is applicable to a million different things, but mm -hmm. in this camp with Dr. Moore, he represents the kind of pseudo-legalistic, fundamentalist-ish, I want to be careful of those terms, but definitely, definitely, definitely leans that way. Uh, arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, then over with Preston Sprinkle, you have guys that are colloquially, colloquially known as Big Eva. A lot of other people call it the evangelical industrial complex that sh constantly are broadening the Overton window, window and shifting the sort of standard to the left yeah. towards progressivism. And so the fundamentalist ties typically are just, it doesn't, it doesn't take discernment to take every single issue and have a hard line stance and just be as conservative and just, like it's easy, I guess. I mean, you, if you don't touch anything, you're not going to, if you don't get within a mile of fire, you're not going to burn. But there, there is some nuance that is faithful for the Christian because there is great area exists in the world. That's what fundamentalists don't understand. Mm -hmm. And then the guys, to be fair, the guys on the sprinkle side, Gospel coalition types, the killers, the pipers, the channelers, etc. In effort to be winsome is a big key word that crit, you know, people critical of the Big Eva movement will constantly point out that when you hear the word winsome, and this is almost always true, it's really a moniker for compromise. Mm. 
Hmm. Like, like at what point do you just love the culture so much that you do a bait and switch and then give them Christ? That kind of never happens, right? But then the, the Jared Moore is going to be the types, you know, just yelling at people on the street corner, right? And it, what's faithful? Is faithful evangelism between those two, maybe? Between hmm. psychopathic street preaching? Not that some street preaching is very faithful. I know a lot of those guys. Yeah. But, you know, the yelling, like, where's the line between, again, to keep building a caricature, the God hates fags over here on the street corner? And the, uh, well, what exactly do you mean by, you know, well, you know, what, what is biblical? What, what do you really mean by masculine? I just have to unpack. We just have to sit down and unpack what you mean by mm-hmm. um, what you mean by homosexual. It's like, well, at some point, you're nuancing and splicing everything. Yeah. Death that you just you can't have a conversation. Sure. Yeah. Really by the way, over. Jordan Peterson calls that an infinite regress because you can kind of you need to define terms, but you can also define so much that you're actually not getting anywhere. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's the, deconstruction, another yeah. term. Yeah. 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 So so yeah. for me, we, we'll get into the content stuff. But that was my general impression. One of frustration and talking over one another because. For people so far on different sides of even how we deal with these issues in the degree to which it's faithful to meet in the middle, compromise, discern, nuance. Not, like doing none at all isn't helpful, but then nuancing everything also is similarly muddy. Mm-hmm. So that was my general feel. Consternation is a good mm-hmm. adjective for that. Yeah. yeah. So, so Chris, I thought uh, especially about you in terms of human sexuality, um, because we've had a lot of conversations (laughs) online and offline about AI since that's your field. Um, And there seems to be a new perversion a day as far as AI is concerned. And we've talked about like how much of a threat to like national security and to the media is AI. And it's been my general impression kind of jokingly, but also being sincere, uh, that essentially human beings will do with this technology what they do with most technologies. They'll find a way to make, turn it into entertainment and find it in, find a way to turn it into something, a way to consume porn. So uh, suffice to say, uh, I, there's a way in which I just recently came across that people are doing this, that there's actually an app where people are taking a picture, they can do it of random strangers, and then this AI intelligence will strip this person down and then create a nude image of this complete stranger, whoever it is that you have a have a picture of. So I think the consequences of misunderstanding human sexuality actually carry a, a large price tag. So it's really important that we get this right. So it's another reason why I wanted to have the conversation. But what was your general takeaway from, from the conversation? Yeah, um, I'd like to find out what that app is. I'm not obviously. <laughs> I think it's called Undressy, literally. I'm not familiar with that. That's yeah. when that's, you know, I work in this industry and I'm not familiar with that. And I like to, you know, write some pieces on that, revealing that if that's the case. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk more about the AI and how AIs, you know, and I think that I think that there are some specific points of content that we really should address, and that that kind of something I resonated with. Um, my feeling coming at this conversation from a place of ignorance about both of them, honestly, I would like also. yeah, I'm I'm familiar with Francis Chan, and and so and you kind of explained that there was a little bit of some relationship between him and and, yeah. and, and um, between Preston, Preston and Francis, and, yeah. Yeah. but I'm not uh, I wasn't familiar with either one of these gentlemen before. Um, I, I think that my my feeling, kind of stepping back and and really trying to kind of take a gestalt view of it, was that. Um, that uh, there is just sort of a loss of the understanding, I, I, like it, within the construct of deconstruction, right? Like looking at it, theological nitpicking. And I think the thing that I, I walked away from the conversation feeling was that um, Jared, I can't remember his last name, it was Moore, Moore. Um, uh, Mr. Moore or Dr. Moore, he, uh, his approach felt like there was a, a sort of a loss of, of recognition that we all live under the, the condemnation of sin. Mm-hmm. 
sorry, that 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 sin is that that sin is a universal uh, application to our nature. It's it, it is a fallenness that we live under, and and heresy is something that we can cast on everyone if we're actually operating off of his rule, mm-hmm. rule set. And so um, I felt like there was I felt like the conversation was um, generally fairly cordial. They were trying to move through the issues as well as they could, but you know I didn't really. Yeah, I didn't really uh, walk away feeling like, oh, this is something I felt enriched by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so Pastor, we, we've actually talked a good bit uh, about this. And now you weren't really familiar, you've heard the name of Preston Sprinkle, um, but you weren't really familiar with Jared before. Yeah. Um, so I, I, what I think is going to be interesting from the conversations that we've had is that I think there will be slight differences or just slight clarification, even even between us. And I also want to just clearly state that the only person, I've worked very hard, the only person that can cancel me in this whole room is this man beside me. So um, I am going to be careful. But I do think that there's even slight kind of very um, nuanced disagreement among us here at the table as we talked about it. But what was your general impression after you uh, came into contact with the conversation? Well, um yeah, in general, you know, it, you, it felt a lot like what you're saying to me, um, Jesse, in that you had you had these two sort of worlds that seemed to never be able to come together in any real healthy way. So, um, and I, because I don't know the context of, it seemed as if mm-hmm. Sprinkle took a risk to uh, sort of defend himself, and this other fellow was at you know came at him pretty pretty strong and so you uh, I was disappointed because it does seem to sort of characterize these these sadly sort of polar opposites as it relates to how the church views this mm-hmm. views this particular issue so you kind of sat there and if you enjoyed if you enjoy watching a fight which a lot of men do uh, you know that there were some parts that you know I like you, good fights you got a bit of a chuckle out of it but some of it was you know lamentable because you just thought I, you know, I don't know that in the end we're actually progressing uh, on either on either on either. No, uh, no. no yeah. just, so we sort of, you know, dis- disappointing. I, evidently, multitudes of people uh, watched. Mm-hmm. And you uh, said something five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand people. Imagine I heard, and you sit there and you to think, present, yeah. um, "Wow, um, that's that's uh, to spend almost two hours." And uh, <laughs> I would have. Uh, and you felt got nowhere. If the goal was discernment, like I didn't feel like anything was, I didn't walk no, away from I mean, anyway. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, you got two brothers. Um, the context is it is awkward, right? In terms of like, was there any real desire to have restoration or was there any real desire to repent of anything that was an infraction? And, and I would add to it too, I don't know that there was real desire to create understanding. And I think that might be the, one of the more frustrating parts to me. Yeah, so it, it was, um, you know, again, I, I was not familiar with either. Right. So it was, I, I came in on the outside going, mm-hmm. okay, what are we, what do we got here? So it was, um, it was a little disappointing in that regard. You would have liked to see a little bit more genuine progress and maybe some of the things we might talk about could, may help us to, to uh, get down there a little bit, perhaps. All right, so um, we'll work our way kind of back um, in the order that we just went. So we'll kind of start back with you, Pastor, and just one of the things that I think that you could really bring clarity to is because you're a pastor, you're a pastor of a large church, and you've actually done something that has a corollary. They're not 
entirely similar, but there is a corollary. So we had last year James Lindsay come to our church. Um, and one of the things that was brought up in the podcast was that Jared objected to the fact that um, that he would uh, that Preston would have people come to his church or sorry, come, me, not, come to his conferences. So there's a little bit of a difference there, but come to his conferences who disagree with him. Now, I want to try because we don't have Preston here. I'll try to communicate what I thought Preston's response was. But I, ultimately, I think Preston's response was this, is that the conference, which I believe is Exiles in Babylon, is essentially a a conversation kind of platform where he doesn't necessarily endorse the values of the people who are coming there, but he wants to have these conversations with these people. And I would say that's true of us with James Lindsay. Like we didn't have him here because we felt like he was a, you know, a spiritual giant that needed to sow into us and give us some biblical interpretation. We had him here because there's an aspect of, of what's going on in culture that he is an expert on that we felt like he could, that we could benefit from. So uh, to give it kind of like an Augustinian flavor, um, uh, we could take the spoils of Egypt and use it for the, for the glory of God. Um, so potentially we could take uh, even a man like James Lindsay and whatever information he can provide us about critical race theory and that kind of stuff. And, and then we can help inform the church with that. So um, what if, so what, maybe not just what was your takeaway, but what was your thought about the argument that Jared gave to Preston about um, his complicity in um, gender ideology and the transgender movement because he was platforming people who are, uh, who put pronouns in their bios? <laughs> uh, well, in our case, it was sort of the, you know, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are lovely, you know, mm -hmm. um, that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth. And I thought that as it related to what it is that's happening in culture and this particular issue of critical theory and all this, mm -hmm. that, that James Lindsay brought an, edifi an edifying message to the church on an issue that is just, you know, uh, true by itself. And he uh, did so in a way that was, it, it, that issue was all by itself, something edifying for a, a, a child of God to be able to grasp onto and, and um, glean from. In this particular case, obviously, uh, Dr. Moore, Moore mm -hmm. had done uh, evidently some extensive research into, you know, who spoke at various times and what they're all about. And, I, you know, I think it's... Um, I, it, that's tricky because I think the church has got to be a place where we can have some conversations. Um, I don't think is Preston Sprinkle a shepherd of a flock. I mean, so there's a little bit of a difference uh, there. But um, so, so I, I'd appreciate the church being able to have some difficult conversations. And you know, I, I've we talked about it the last time we got together. There's been some men that have profoundly different lifestyles and worldviews that I I appreciate being able to, to, to dialogue with. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know that I actually have the accusation altogether pinpoint, but it seemed a little um, limited. And, and additionally, I don't know that it was ever defined as to whether or not uh, the person who used their pronouns in their mm -hmm. bio mm -hmm. used, it was a man using he, him, mm -hmm. meaning it wasn't a, a deceptive sort of scenario. It was just maybe a bridge building kind of idea in a context where there may be people that you know, struggle with their own sexual identity that maybe this particular speaker felt like, maybe I'll build a little bit of a bridge and I'll play that game. That's not for me at all. I think that's uh, yeah. deceptive. I don't, I don't like heading down the line, but 
we never got to find out whether or not it was this uh, use of pronouns was an actual complete, uh, you know, fraudulent thing. I'm a man who identifies as a woman, and yeah. now I'm going to speak to a group of people that are trying to navigate sexuality. That's that to me would be I can't really speak. frustrating. I, I never got to the real. Yeah, I can't crust. speak as uh, somebody with experience on this, but my impression of the conversation was that these were just people who use pronouns in their bodies, but not necessarily like trans people, if, no, I, if that's what I, you're... I'd have to check. I'm almost certain there were several that did, and that there were several that spoke at the conference for Christians that were LGBTQ affirming. Yeah. That but, one was brought up, because they knew they disagreed on those. They don't have to talk about yeah. those. They emphasized the one that said, well, what about, is it the pronouns, or is it when it's actual trans pronouns? Yeah. That's mm -hmm. when they brought up the guy that did it out of hospitality, to say, is there any room to they not be did, They did bring it up? Prep. Yeah, did it, that, that's did the he? one that they brought up. But, so yeah. didn't, but I almost, again, don't, we can check it, but I'm almost certain, I heard this a while back, that yet yeah, both, both things, that Preston uh, had multiple people that had opposite pronouns, mm -hmm. and yeah. LGBTQ affirming. So I think they already knew they disagreed so much. When he brought up the, the guy that had the saying, he was trying to make the general point that could that not be for hospitality and not heresy? Mm -hmm. And what's your thoughts? And, and by the way, I don't think whether or not he did or not is necessarily relevant um, to the, the more philosophical point that, that I think that, would, that needs to be discussed. Because yeah. the question is, 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 is this permissible even in a conference that Preston Sprinkle is trying to, to endorse? And how should Christians address this topic? So should we use, like, out of deference to the individual in a personal one-on-one -on -one conversation, should we call that person Zizer or whatever, demon self, whatever they want us to call it, right? So like, with, as confusing as it is, we're asking ourselves this question today in the modern church. Um, so what, what was your ultimate takeaway in terms of that? Yeah, so well, can I touch on the yeah. Lindsay thing, too, yeah. like that? Um, I think a massive difference between Lindsay coming and speaking at a... Uh, it's not a parachurch organization, it's part of the church, but the civics and uh, civics and culture. Uh, civics culture department. Yeah. Th that's bringing a non-Christian in to a type of church function, not like the pulpit, to teach on an issue that's inherently not Christian but has profound implications on the church. Yeah. Very different than having a conference, like we're all kind of picking on more a bit, but Preston doing that is incredibly problematic and unwise at the very least to have a conference for Christians. Um, and then to allow affirming people there to give that perspective. And, and there's one more point of clarification real quick, is that when James Lindsay came, he was not uh, taking the position that we disagree with, but rather trying to inform us about yeah. the position that we have. It's, and it's sadly teaching the church better than a lot of people in the church. That's, yeah. Because he's teaching biblical truth to a person that happens to be a non-Christian. Mm. That's way permissible. Um, do, we, do we know the context of the conference? I'm, I'm not familiar with that. I heard yeah, talking it about, just like, about Navigating homosexuality with if it's some parents too, like to help like, yeah. talk with their kids through it. But they have brought multiple affirming people to that to understand okay, so, their perspective. So generally, the conference was about homosexuality. Yeah, they, all the trans stuff probably, but yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, I didn't get that from their conversation. I didn't. I yeah, yeah, that was, they, they kind of brushed us all. That was well, exiles in Babylon covers a lot of ground, but it essentially is kind of a Christian conference that tackles cultural issues. I just didn't know. If, yeah, sure, but I didn't know if it was couched under the sort of general context of hey, we're talking about lots of issues. Oh. This is not necessarily stuff that has been sorted through and or sort of um, pre-thought through from a discernment standpoint for Christian yeah. consumption. You know, the kind of use at your own risk sort of thing. So yeah, I don't know how nuanced I just want to I I, make I sure that, that I understand. Basically, it was like instruction for Christians to navigate these very contentious waters of LGBTQ stuff. That's right. what we got. I don't know how broad they went, but that's what we got on the press. That's okay. what I heard about last year. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it, 
there could be points of disagreement among Christians on the degree to which you choose to use someone's pronoun out of a deference for hospitality. My conscience very strongly is to reject that and mm-hmm. not to do that. I have a patient that I've watched transition. It's hard. Yeah. And, um, and I absolutely refuse. I give their new name because that's legal and that, that's where I draw the line. I'll give the new name, a male or female name. But I draw, and so maybe I'm a heretic for that, right? I'm not going to call this dude a facial hair, Kathy, or whoever. That's not the real name of the picture, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and I came in once, had the, had the hormone treatments, heard low voice all of a sudden. I mean, it's trippy. Today. You see it on TV, but man, I saw it, you know, over months, seeing this patient every six months. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yet, the, the beauty of uh, linguistics and syntax is you, just, you can just simply not say a pronoun. You can slip into it on accident. So that, we are a little bit blessed in this scenario that we're not forced to be more contentious with us all the time. Yeah, so yeah. I, I just I just won't say them. I can't say them. It, 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 I can't not see it as uh, affirming something that God doesn't affirm. As R.C. Sproul defined truth, uh, it's reality is perceived by God. And so I can't, this is, this is where Joe Rigney got into a lot of trouble last year talking about the sin of empathy. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about this last time where, where sympathy versus empathy, like, Sympathy is I'm grabbing the tree branch and grabbing this hand to grab you out of quicksand, but empathy is I'm jumping in headlong with you, mm-hmm. right? And so, you, man, all, all truth is God's truth. And, and at some point we have to say, it's okay that you're offended, but I, I can't affirm something that's uh, not only just like mildly untrue, like some random view about God that we can take it or leave it or disagree with and still be faithful Christians, but something like gender, which is just, yeah. God is a he, you attack gender, you attack, you attack on gender is attack on God. This is extremely foundational. Um, yeah, so would I ever put pronouns in my bio? I don't have any social media, but would I ever put those pronouns in out of any reason? Absolutely not. I'm also not going to call someone a heretic for it because their conscience may be there. I think it's very unwise. And I would tell them that, to the Christian personally. Um, you know, it goes without saying that wouldn't no Christian should identify with pronouns other than the ones God gave yeah. them. I think we're all in obvious agreement there. But, sure. but yeah, so that's where my conscience at. There's no way I could use it. There's no way I could affirm that and say that to a person. Mm-hmm. I'm blown away that any Christian could have that. No, I'm not getting, wouldn't call him heretic or whatever, but I'd say that's such serious error. That's where I, that whole balance, right, of like yeah. how far do we nuance? Bro, you're way too far on this side. Uh, you, there's, no, there's no stories that I know of even evangelistically of cowtailing to every, like the deepest recesses of the most foundational theological sins like gender, softening someone's heart to where they're like, maybe tell me you're, I just, true, they they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, but man, are you, how much do you step inside the worldview and reject your own? You go so far to even that quicksand, man, how are you gonna get out, you know? So that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, I think that's really good. I really, really want to jump into kind of the claim of heresy because I will also take kind of a position that you do that I think Preston is in error, but not in heresy. So we'll get into heresy in just a moment. Um, and I'll try to kind of explain it the way I have understood it so that we're not using it as an ax to cut off the heads of our brothers and sisters. Sure, sure. Um, but I, I will just say that um, I, I want to take a more historic approach too to add to what you just said that if you actually know where the whole idea of like pronoun usage and where the whole idea, because they get into a big conversation about gender and sex and the difference there. And that's very convoluted in my opinion. And I just don't know that, I think it would have been helpful to add this historic context because I think this is helpful to Christians. If you know where the whole idea of gender ideology comes from, you know that 
euphemistically, it is straight from the pit of hell and it is nothing that you can entertain. Um, and it is nothing that you should toy with either. And so when you understand that um, the whole idea of differentiation between biological se sex and gender came from John Money, a pedophile who's a total quack whose first two patients committed suicide on him because mm -hmm. he made two brothers, one that he tried to transition into a girl, mm -hmm. simulate sex with each other and then take pictures of each other. Um, his uh, findings have been totally discredited. They're totally worthless. The individual that he first tried to transition who had uh, kind of a penile, it's the only time I've used penile on the podcast before, but penile, <laughs> um, uh, just accident, uh, when he was born uh, and his penis was totally burnt off and he tried to convince the parents of that child to turn that kid into, it was Bruce Reimer by the way, mm -hmm. to turn Bruce into a girl. Um, when that totally backfired um, and Bruce came out later, told uh, the public what John Money had done to him and then also said that although he tried to turn me into a girl, although he tried to uh, put transvestites in front of me and convince me that I'm a girl and do all these things and then even tried to make me have simulated sex with my brother um, although he tried to do all of those things you can never turn a boy into a girl and I just think I know there are the stories out there that we're telling everybody about how much uh, gender dysphoria went away the moment that that surgery took place in the individual um, we are toying with a fire here that we don't even know the depth of but what we do know already is a suicide epidemic of epic proportions and I just think as a Christian we have an obligation to our conscience to do a little bit better than just be like um, you know in all fairness to just say well if he's he him and he's using he him and his pronouns well then okay that is an implicit endorsement of, I think, a very dangerous and satanic ideology that we have no business placing in the church. And I'll just put it this way, maybe to go even further back in history. I can't imagine the disciples sitting around fighting with each other as to whether or not we should be having church conferences with this kind of stuff going on, right? No, no. I mean, I, can't, I just can't imagine that. And that's not to be just like anachronistic. I know it's something that's going on in the culture. It's something that um, needs to be addressed. But, but this is where I do think Preston is an error. And I, I don't know that Jared did the best job of trying to um, communicate that because I think the the issue of heresy got in his way. So um, I don't want to miss the opportunity for, for you, Chris. Did you, Ooh, do you have any thoughts about that? It's okay. Uh, any thoughts about the heresy in particular? No, 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 not heresy, just in, t in terms of like pronouns and bio and, and, and the difference between gender and sex. Well, and I mean, I think that fundamentally we live in a culture that, that is obsessed with self. They're obsessed with self, right? And anytime we're obsessed with self is when we're putting ourselves in God's in God's position. Yeah, right. We're making we're idolizing ourselves. We're making yeah. ourselves idols, right? I think that that's uh, that's collective heresy. That's sin. That's what it is, right? It's the Tower of Babel, you know. And and gender ideology is the exact same thing. It's just sort of I'm looking for a sense of myself. I'm looking for a sense of myself. I don't have an identity. I don't have an identity in Jesus. You know, I mean, the disciples, the apostles, were looking at first century Judea. I mean, they were doing everything they could just not to be persecuted by the Jews and persecuted by the Greeks, and they're trying to set up this church. I mean, they're doing everything they can just to live and experience the Holy Spirit and go, hey, we're just going to grow this church thing, right? I mean, they're more worried about just getting their daily bread, having, having mm -hmm. community, sharing the gospel. I mean, their, their lives had identity. Their lives had meaning. And we, we're so devoid of meaning. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, like this, 
the you know, gender ideology stuff, I, you know, I can appreciate it because it's 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 washed up on my shore in some in some very specific ways. You know, I have a background in social science, so I see a lot of this stuff as well. Um, and uh, you know, for me, it's just another expression of a missing identity that we have. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's been hyper accelerated. You know, talking from a technology standpoint, it's been hyper accelerated by the technology we have. Mm -hmm. And I think that I think, and we can return to this later. But I think that that is because technology is a tool set. The new technology we have is a tool set that's a meaning machine. Mm -hmm. It's a meaning machine. The previous sets of technology, industrial revolution, we're 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 we're, we're using machines. We're, they're producing machines. Yeah, we're we're uh, offloading our labor. Now we, we've offloaded our meaning, and we're gaining our mm -hmm. meaning through, our con through a conduit, like a smartphone. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that that's one of the reasons why people are constantly grappling with these identities, and they're sort of shifting around, this yeah. is constantly changing. And as far as the conversations about whether or not that's heretical or not, it's, you know, and whether, excuse me, you know, I know we're getting away from, from Sprinkle and whether or not the, what he was saying was heretical. Um, you know, if we're talking about heresy in general, I think, yeah, absolutely. This is all sinful. It's all sinful. But it's all just an expression of the same sin, which is, I'm God. God's not God. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm God. You have to, pronouns are a perfect example of that. No, I'm not, you know, I, I understand there are people who do it for professional purposes. There's people who do it for different things. But the active use of pronouns is, is, is me going, I have an identity that is that I've grounded myself in. You can't touch it. If you violate that, then you violate me as a human being. That's how fragile yeah. I am, because I've woven this web of identity together, yeah. right? And that's, uh, that's you know, that, that made me want to kind of research even the phrase sexual identity. If you know where it comes from, I'd love to hear it. But I didn't really find um, anything. But the whole idea, and it's almost commonplace now, even for people in church, to say sexual identity, as though that exists which it doesn't, yeah. because we don't get our identity from who we have sex with. It's, it's a complete perversion of, um, of what identity really is. It's an is. activity, not an identity, right? Yeah. I mean, what you choose to do with your body is an entirely different thing than who you are. Ultimately, yeah, for sure. And, yeah. Yeah, and, then, and then to piggyback on what you were just talking about in terms of meaning, I mean, we simultaneously, we are sicker, emptier, more depressed, mm, more yeah. culturally, we are uh, you know, you, you drift that far away mm -hmm. from your creator, mm -hmm. you, you end up uh, and you become God. You do. You realize that you're, you aren't capable yeah. and you are, you know, talk about a recipe for depression, suicide, abuse, mm -hmm. you know, uh, all sorts of vices. I mean, it's just a, it's just a deluge of like, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm empty, fill me, I'm empty, fill me, I'm empty, fill sure. me, I'm empty, fill sure. me, I'll, you know, it's, it's a new identity. Um, and, and then, of course, it's just, you know, simple, like you said, it's simple, fallen, uh, rebellious nature uh, into the ultimate. I mean, I think this sort of new iteration is, you know, all these lines that God designed that were healthy, distinctions between males and females, and we can even talk about national borders and mm -hmm. what a marriage is, what a marriage isn't. Then you get down to the very fundamental of just what a, a, a male, a female, and then the, essentially it's like, no, I, I reject that, and I will be, I mean, I will be, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a terrifying statement, right? Mm -hmm. I it will is. be, I am. It is. Yeah. Whoa, I mean, it's, that's anti, I mean, that's, it's pretty demonic, right, in the end. It is, it is. It's empty. I am what I say I am. Yeah. You're going... 
Well, I, well, I, think, I, I think that's a point that Dr. Moore could, could have made, I wish he would have made, yeah. is that when you do that, when you, when you make a proclamation like, hey, these are my, these are my pronouns, use mm. these, or you know, you're written off in my, in my book, you are saying that. You are saying that I have an identity that supersedes my identity in Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And that could go for anything. It could go for good stuff. Yeah. You could say, I'm an American Christian. Like, honestly, we really should be saying I'm a Christian who's an American, yeah, right? True. I mean, we can love right, our country. Right, right, we can be right, patriotic. Right. We, can, we can do all that sort of stuff. But ultimately, Jesus is the king. He sits on the throne. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and our, our lives should be living sacrifices, yeah. right, to him. You know? and, it, and it's like any time that I want to put that in front of, put some sort of qualifier in front of my faith, yeah. I'm basically saying, hey, this is a part of me that's untouchable. That's, a, that's an identity that's, that's couched in something else that, that, you, that the gospel can't get at. Yeah, I right. think about that with social justice. Yeah. Like, we should be after justice, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm deeply disturbed with what social justice is and what some people mean by that term. There is no necessary qualifier to justice. Justice is good enough. Yeah. Um, if you want to put one on there, put biblical justice, but then we're still talking about what justice is at the end of the day. Um, but kind of back to your point about kind of like what the demonic is and what Satanism actually is and the way in which um, the self is celebrated in our present culture. Um, it, it reminded me of the, the I will statements of Satan in, in the Bible, you know? Um, and, and, and again, this is, you know, we, we see these conferences about LGBTQ and stuff like that, but we, I mean, where's the conference that's like, come die to self? So um, there's, there's this guy that I saw on uh, X the other day, used to be Twitter, and he said this. Uh, he said, this holiday, do not invite LGBTQ plus family and friends to churches with toxic doctrine that push people further from God. Don't invite them to family tables with, that will inflict trauma. Don't invite them to situations where they are not fully loved as is. First, create safe spaces, then rebuild bridges. And he put Christmas cheese around there um, just to emphasize that. Now, not only is that incredibly soft and just rubs me the wrong way, but it's also fundamentally wrong because it is simply about the individual to the degree that like, Jesus is lost in the midst of it all. And so I responded to this individual and I, said, and I just said, invite them to the cross. Like, we're so concerned with style um, over substance these days anyway. Sure, sure. But where is that message, um, that, that message of dying to self? We're so concerned about pronouns and so concerned about um, uh, whether there's a difference between gender and sex, which, by the way, um, I think I almost agreed with Preston on that. I think he tended to say that gender is a totally unnecessary uh, constructs, uh, constructs. So I would say, yeah, let's get totally get rid of it. We don't need it. We just need biological sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so needless to say, um, on the, on the subject of saying, I guess a horrible segue, but, um, <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's talk about heresy real quick. Cause I think this is one of the fundamental things. There's one more thing I want to get to with this conversation, but, but I was concerned. Maybe you guys were too, with the way in which heresy was thrown around. I'm going to give you my impression. Then I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. Um, the reason I think it's important that we don't quickly label people, and I would even say Preston Sprinkle a heretic, is because I want to create a tent not big enough to make myself feel better about being nice, but big enough for people like Preston so that we can understand that there are people in big Evo, there are brothers and sisters who, are, who, who deeply are in error on some issues that need to be corrected and that there's space for these people to, um, to come into the kingdom and still have these very 
spiritually bankrupt ideas. Now I'm gonna take a risk here and give an analogy. So if a liberal San Francisco woman in her late 20s uh, decides to move to Chattanooga because she realizes that she doesn't want to live in the Communist Republic of California anymore and she wants to live among the land of the free. Um, and she comes to Calvary Chapel, she gets saved. And um, she's a born again believer on fire for the Lord. On, on the day after Sunday, on Monday, does she lose her pro-choice views? And I think the obvious answer to that is probably not. That's going to have to come off of her through a period of time and through a period of sanctification and through education and the Christian faith and all of those things. And so all I'm saying is that there's, there's room, not necessarily for the pro-choice Christian, but there's room for people who have flawed, uh, erroneous ideas that, that then we need to come alongside and help them. If we too quickly throw them out, then all we're doing is abdicating our responsibility to disciple people who have horrible ideas and who are being influenced by the world. Yeah, I mean, if, we, if we're looking for pure Christianity, you can, I mean, I should probably hit the bricks right now, honestly. <laughs> I'm just going to be straight up. Like, that's a, you know, I mean, this is, I, I, I try to live as close to orthodoxy as possible. You know, I try to be as discerning as, as, as I can be, but, you know, I, I recognize my own sinfulness every single day. I mean, golly, that's, I need the cross. I need the cross every day, you know? And I think that we start throwing the word around heresy. I think that all of a sudden we're just going, hey, you're in, in you know, this is in out crowd. You're pure, you're not pure, you know? And that's, if that's a the, dangerous world. If that's the definition in the end, yeah. I mean, that was sort of my general idea is that the heretic was the one that was called out because he or she or they uh, advocated things that would lead them. Just Pardon kidding. Me. Just kidding. Nothing. Yeah, the group. I meant they as in the group, not in another way. Um, but but to but to, to to say then that um, it, it, you know you, it seems that there was you know that Paul and others would call out those that were heretical in the church, but their doctrine would leave folks uh, um, it, with the impossible leave them outside of the context to be saved because the doctrine about Christ was wrong or whatever. Um, this this issue to me, I thought well, heresy is kind of a strong a heretic, meaning one who is law, outside yeah. lost. Yeah. Because of that particular, I thought, gosh, that's a that's a strong mm -hmm. that's a strong accusation. Um, in error versus a heretic seemed a little bit. Did you, uh, would you say that the accusation didn't match the rhetoric when Jared was, you know, being an interlocutor of? Of Preston? Yeah, no, I, I, I sat there and I thought, you know, and, and then, you know, a little disturbing was when the when Preston would say, I, I have never said, I have never believed, I don't believe now. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you, brother to brother, I do not believe this particular sure. statement. I do not believe, I never have, I've never thought it, never written it. I've got people on my staff that would, would, would by their very existence and their lifestyle, defend this and you know so could you just repent for misrepresenting my view and the guy's like no mm -hmm. well because he's the guy by association he kept saying well does anyone in that group that you invited well golly, I mean, they do sure. you know that's separate. So, so say you're really unwise to platform yeah. them that's fair but you can't say he himself is a heretic when he's just clearly corrected that for you yeah they're never going to be friends but he, he should have recanted that criticism yeah because yeah the word heresy historically is a little convoluted kind of like evangelical, like we've said, like you can look up the history of it and it's, 
total degree to words change meaning. Mm -hmm. give a lot of Fundamentalist has to. 100%. So it doesn't mean it did not mean at a certain time. There are definitely examples of church history of the word being used in a lot of writings in ways that were not salvific. Mm. Generally, though, it does hold a satirologic assumption because yeah. we're talking about like councils. He mentioned Nicaea, Dr. Gordon. Uh, look at Michael Servetus, Calvin, right? Like, there's so many examples of like, dude, if you're a heretic, we're, we might, depending on the time and the <laughs> yeah, like St. Nick, we slapping yeah. you in the face yeah. and kicking you out of the council. Bro, see it. Being burned alive, guillotine, pelt rocks at your face, buried to the shoulder until you're dead in front of the town. Like, there's brutal <laughs> history. And we throw it out on Twitter, you're a heretic. Yeah. I want you to be murdered in front of your family. It's like, dude, we got to be so careful with our language. So, so yeah, generally, I think, don't know how Dr. Moore was using the term, but I'm pretty sure it had a satirologic implication. So I've heard this three-pronged. Uh, sort of triad that I think would be helpful to discern these issues of receive, reject, redeem. Mm -hmm. We bring someone into the fold, the pro-choice thing, whatever. Certain things you can receive as is. You believe marriage? I believe marriage. Okay, well, You might say it's a man and woman. We're going to talk about that. But I'm not... That's, well, that's more redeemed. Like, there's certain things you receive, like like you said, they, they believe Christ is king, doctrine of Christ, we're good, okay. Like your identity is in him, great. Certain things you redeem, like marriage. Uh, you're, you're halfway there. You, you got the male woman part, but you're including this man and man or woman, woman, right? And then there's things you reject. Well, I think Christians can watch porn. No, no discussion, no nuance, reject. Mm -hmm. Receive, reject, redeem. It takes wisdom to know what those are. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly, I mean, they, Second John, they went out of us because they were not of us. They went out from us because they were not of us. If they were of us, they would never have gone out from us. A big verse for reform guys, right? So you were never even part of the fold. So there are things, and Paul will call people out to their face, like Peter, right? Where no 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 this, this isn't this isn't nuancing you, certain things you have to reject to be in Christ yeah mm -hmm. you have to reject but to say everything that's not exactly the way I do it is rejecting because of association is heretical and if you're yeah. applying it satirologically that you you're, you're saying you're not you're saying you're going to hell right now yeah now if he was straight up affirming you could, I, mean, I mean you have a lot more of a, a lot. No, you can say he's unwise. You cannot say presence himself affirming. Yeah, no way. Um, there, there's, and no, he was, he was, he was yeah, clear. It's clear. It's clear. Clear. It's yeah. clear as can be. You know, so. So my, my thoughts on this, and this is where you can call me a heretic now. My thoughts on heresy, I, th I have a very succinct definition of it. I would love to hear what you have to say about this. Um, but, but it's also important to me because I've seen this done before. Like, I know somebody who called William Lane Craig a heretic. And I'm like, dude, William Lane Craig has done more for the body of Christ than you will do in two of your lifetimes. Uh, just simply because William Lane Craig was uh, on a podcast with another guy that was talking about allegorical interpretation and literal interpretation of scripture. And I'm just like- Simply okay. because he had the discussion. Well, also because he had different views in terms of uh, creation and uh, <laughs> young earth creationism and whether or not we sure. should take that literally and all that sure, kind of sure, stuff. Sure. And it just, so this person took a very literal interpretation of scripture and it was my point to them, like, I don't think you take everything literally, but needless to say, just the idea, without getting into too much of the weeds here, uh, of calling William Lane Craig a heretic, I thought was just like, was, was out of bounds. Um, and all I'll say is this, my definition of, of heretic, and I think we need to be careful about this because I, I, when I infer heretic, I don't mean brother in error. I mean a person who's outside of the Christian faith. Absolutely. Um, so what I have always been taught and what I've always thought is that heresy is specific to Christology.
So if you have a false view of Christ, now you are a heretic. Uh, Jehovah's this is witness. Correct. Mormons. You know, those right. kind of you things. go down the list of yep. right. Yep. 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 So, so some people will object to that and say, well, read that's too, that's a little bit too confining a definition. Like could, couldn't everything, you know, couldn't you argue that everything has to do with Jesus? And I'm like, no, like whether you sprinkle or submerge has nothing to do with Jesus. Right. And that's a difference of, of style and denomination, but not necessarily heresy. And so when we get down to Christology, the, the nature of Christ, divine man, second person of the sinless. Trinity, the only yeah. sinless, the only way to salvation uh, through faith and what he did for us on the cross, the belief in the resurrection, the literal resurrection, belief in his virgin birth. So those things are what makes up the foundation for orthodoxy to me. What do you, what do you guys think about that? I'm good with that. I would just expand it a little more broadly to say the doctrine of God proper throughout the Reformation, mm -hmm. just because I just immediately thought of T.D. Jakes and modalism. Which I guess Christ would cover because he's not. But if you only focus on Christ, you don't know that he's he's the spirits the same person. Mm -hmm. It's not three persons. The modalism. They're different manifestations or modes. But but yeah, I mean, you're, you're crate over his of baptism, post millennial. Bro, you're going. To, it's like come on. Yeah, it's got. It's got. I'd say the doctrine of God. Anything a deviation from that would be non soteriological That's why you probably thought in this particular case, and I, that's the way I've sort of this. That's the way I've understood it. So I thought, and that's a big. That's a. That's a double-barreled shotgun, mm -hmm. sure. uh, which I thought has the man no struggles himself mm -hmm. in any way. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. is there? Could you find out that you may be an error in some place? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, and or somebody you associated with is an error. Oh, yeah, <laughs> heaven forbid. Yeah, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't find that to be um, uh, a legitimate criticism. I mean, to criticize the views or whatever, but to go that far, I mean, and then. Uh, you know, to have any hope of two brothers having any sort of, you know, that either one of them would come in any way closer to one another, which to a certain degree, you know, would honor Christ, right? To, I thought it was noble of Sprinkle to, to take a shot at that. I, I thought he handled himself well in, in uh, many instances. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I thought that was worthy. Um, and... You know, maybe disappointing that the doctrinally pure fella came off. Um, I, I don't know that his behavior, you know, necessarily adorned the gospel that he mm -hmm. champions, and I think that's that's sad. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's that's a disappointment. Um, yeah, I think he was defining it so broadly that he was he was considering any deviation from any of the larger or shorter catechisms in the Westminster Confession to be heresy, which mm -hmm. is an explicitly reformed document. Like then. <laughs> Application, you're saying Arminians are heretics, you know, like if you're taking a checkpoint of hundreds and hundreds of things which we should take seriously, mm. deviations from any one of them to be heretical, that's just such a wide umbrella. It's just hard, really hard to see that as wise. Mm -hmm. All right, well, there's one last thing that I think is relevant to talk about, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who come away from the conversation and look at um, and it even came up in the conversation. Look at the demeanor of Jared and his mood. Yes. So I want to talk about the mood of a Christian. Um, and this is a tricky thing. And this is where balance, I think, is absolutely necessary. And, and there may even be some disagreement around the table uh, with this. But I, pretty ha I, ha I have a pretty wide tent when it comes to mood because uh, maybe I'm just a moody guy. But uh, I believe that there's a place for the Matt Walsh's of the world who are blunt instruments that are saying some things that 
uh, some Christians might deem unwise. Um, and, and here's the way I think about this, and I'd like to kind of hash this out with you guys, um, but also maybe within the context of Jared and Preston. Um, but I would like to hear what you think about my idea on this subject. Um, so I believe that mood is predicated upon subject. So if the mood requires, um, if the subject matter requires that bedside manner go to the wayside, then I'm absolutely fine with that. So let me just put it this way. If my kid cut his hand, stuck his, is sticking his hand in the shark tank, I may slap my son out of the way so that he doesn't get his hand bitten <laughs> off. And it is not because I'm abusive, it is because I deeply love my son and I know what he's doing. Um, I would say that for many people who have, and maybe this is a dangerous statement, but um, nonetheless I'll say it. I believe many people who have been somewhat indoctrinated and matrixedized um, by the culture are going to come away from the conversation with Jared and Preston and say, I think that Jared was too harsh to Preston. And I think he was harsh in one way, but in another way, the subject matter matters so much that I do believe that he was only harsh in that he didn't do the subject matter justice. So when your mood doesn't provide extra clarity to the subject matter and you're taking away from the truth, then I think that that is detrimental to the argument and detrimental to the subject. But I do believe that in keeping with the subject matter that they're talking about, I believe that gender ideology perhaps is, and I've even heard you say something similar to this, I think gender ideology is kind of a, a, a modern day test, a litmus test for the church on where people stand on the faith just because of how prominent it is in the culture and how demonic the temptation to give in to uh, these ideas truly is. There's a social cost for taking a biblical stance on the issues of biblical sexuality, and there is a lot of adulation and praise for the man that is going to be uh, uh, wishy-washy and a coward on this subject. So my whole thought is that I think the mood is determined upon the subject, and I think the subject matter deter deserves a strong mood if you're able to make a convincing case. But if you're not, then all you're doing is stepping on your own toes. Um, I, I, would, I would ask, the one thing I don't know is I don't really know what uh, Mr. Moore was trying to accomplish. Hmm. That, I mean, that, I, I would love to know what the, what the motivation is. You know, you're having this conversation, you're having a conversation with the pastor, he's very prominent, he's got a lot of things going on. Like, what are you trying to accomplish by basically saying you're a heretic, right? I mean, that, that, to, me, that to me should set the mood, mm. right? That should set the mood. I, I've never, and I, I'd be a little bit different than you on this read, and I, you know, totally respectfully, I've never won someone to Christ by being dogmatic mm -hmm. with them. I have won, I, I've, I've had really great conversations with them. We've talked about how maybe I've been transformed uh, by, through sanctification and my life is different than it was uh, and, and my worldview has shifted because, uh, because Christ has revealed something to me. There, there are things that, that are things that have adjusted me and I'm not saying that I would ever <clears throat> advocate for being soft in any sort of way. But at the same time, I, I, I don't find that the gospel is shared at the end of a cudgel, personally, you know? And, and now, this is a conversation between two people who, uh, who are theologically knowledgeable, right? So we were, they should be speaking the same language. But I'm, uh, you know, my feeling is that the, as far as mood goes, 
the one thing that threw me off just listening to it was just the, the mood felt, it felt extreme from the very beginning. It's sort of like, you're a heretic, I'm not a heretic, let's have a conversation. And then, you know, an hour and a half later, I'm like, you guys have made no ground, right? Yeah. You're just splitting hairs, splitting hairs, splitting hairs, splitting hairs. And that, so that's, that, that was my, my feeling, it just, I don't know what you guys kind of thought about I was about frustrated well. on both sides. Let me, let me kind of turn this to Jesse and see what you think about that. And, and, and maybe there's a difference, too, in what you said between personal one-on-one -on -one conversations and corporate conversations in terms of dogmatism. Because I think that there's a purpose when people are listening to um, uh, for their sake and not necessarily for the person's sake that you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. So there, there may be something there. But um, let me give you an analogy that will kind of also flesh out this thing. You may know what you want to say about this anyway, but um, Kevin DeYoung just wrote an article. Are you familiar with him? Just wrote an article about Doug Wilson in Mood, and he called it the Moscow Mood. Um, and he was, you, have you seen this? I knew all of this, yeah. Okay, so, so the whole idea is just simply that um, he's critiquing Doug Wilson because he thinks that he's only drawing people because of a certain mood, kind of a more militant form of Christianity and whatnot. So they've kind of gone back and forth at this point in time. I caught the video of Doug Wilson responding to this the other day. I thought it was very charitable. I thought it was maybe a good example of maybe what a conversation between brothers who disagree should look like. Um, but I gotta say, I really agree with Doug Wilson on this, that, um, that if the mood serves the purposes of the gospel and serves the message, then you're hard pressed to argue that the mood is interfering with that. And if the mood is, is creating, the, the, if mood, the mood, I think Doug Wilson said this, if the mood is creating good fruit, then let the fruit speak for itself. It's kind of what I think Doug Wilson said. So um, you can speak to that if you want to, but just kind of curious what you think about mood and the place for, for that. I, I think about this stuff so much, dude. It, it's interesting, on that case, I'm just, just to close that book, I'm, just as 100% as Team Wilson as you could be, as Team Moscow. There's, there's, uh, there's like 50 things I want to say about that. I've, I've consumed a lot about that. So, so on that one, it's, it's, I'm totally Team Moscow on the mood thing, but this broader discussion in the evangelical broadosphere, on those pretty closely to the right, I'm, I'm usually the one just, I'm really frustrated with tone is more the word that'll be used then. Yeah. More like in individual conversations and podcasts and stuff that a lot of the people on the right, man, are, I just think, and I think, unfortunately, Dr. Moore is an example of this. Like, we, we witnessed, at least with that one point we talked about, straight up black and white, no nuance. You, you, you learn perspective about Preston with that one thing that, oh, he didn't actually, that wasn't him, that was one of the guys on his board or whatever. Yeah. So call it unwise, but you have to correct, you misrepresented me on a tweet. That, I think the tweets will got 5,000 views, by the way. Um, and we, we just witnessed pride on camera that, Failed to recant. You know what Proverbs says? It's dangerous language, bro. I just power read the Proverbs last week, so it's, if you ever do that, you don't take a lot of notes, you like, whoa, over and over. You're like, wow, right, this right, says right. like five times. Like, yeah. Five times it says, rebuke a wise man. You know what? He'll love you. You just gained a friend. Rebuke a fool. He will hate you. A couple chapters later, it says, um, uh, what is it? I want to get it right. A, a rebuke into a man of understanding. It's like, the, like you don't want to be the stupid one, you don't, the foolish one, you don't mm -hmm. want to be the one who learns and has understanding in the Proverbs, yeah. obviously. Uh, but uh, a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into they just, they just, They just don't get it. So, yeah, with the, I think more in terms of tone and like the way that guys engage online, because most of the guys I'm like, I agree with you on content, and they, they bring up tone all the time because they're constantly criticized for it. 
and they do not take into account, dude, is really, really, really frustrating to me. So this is separate from the Moscow thing because he he's a very charitable, sweet guy. Talking about the guys that are super, kind of like the Moors. Yeah. We were talking about the Moors. He, and he said, I'm just direct, man. Bro, it's so, I think about this so much. Second Corinthians 2, bro. And I'm a guy, I've been called toxically masculine a lot. I get it. I don't care at all about that. Yeah. You don't I, have I, to bring in your marriage to the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's never said that. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's never said that. But I don't have to focus on Joshua be bold. I focus on this gentleness stuff because it's a struggle for me. Because uh, men are tough and tender. Those, those, the moors of the world like to talk about Jesus turning over the tables and, you know, I'm going to tie a millstone around your neck and be causing the kids to go yeah. astray. And those same kids felt gentle to come to him. Let the little children come to me. Get on my lap. Mm. Men are tough and tender. And I'm just direct. Second Corinthians 2. For we are the right. pleasing aroma of Christ. For those who are, I love how ESV renders it, being saved, sort of, present ongoing justification, which does fit in people's yeah. substitutionary atonement, that's another thing, to those who are being saved, and who? The perishing. Hmm. You're talking to someone you know is lost? Where are they? Pleasing aroma of Christ. One of the qualifications for elders in 1 Timothy 3 and, and uh, Titus 1 is being well thought of by outsiders. They may still want to kill you like Jesus, but amongst themselves, they're like, bro, he, he actually did do my case for free at work. He actually did do a lot for the community. He didn't listen to ask more questions than anybody else. He served me. He asked me what he could do for me, right? Hate him because his views, he's a bigot. He's a, he's a solid, solid dude. Qualification for elder. I mean, Paul says uh, elsewhere, let your language be uh, gracious, seasoned with salt, mm -hmm. so that you may know how to answer each person. So there's individual context there, kind of like, you, you, what's the subject to? Who's the person? What's the subject? What's the severity? Elsewhere, Paul says, um, he says, um, correct your opponents. There's correction. I'm thankful these guys hash it out, man. Let's quit being feminine. Let's talk about our differences. Tell me why I'm wrong. It's a prerequisite to be my friend. You got to tell me I'm off. Hey, man, I don't like the way you talk to your wife like that. Like, if you're not going to call me on that, why are we friends? Is iron sharp as iron, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so correct your opponents. What's the rest of the verse? But with gentleness and respect. Mm -hmm. Galatians 5, what's all the fruits of the Spirit? Gentleness. gentleness. That's not for women. It's for Christians. So um, I, I get really, really, I'm get just increasingly getting really annoyed by a lot of guys who I consume their content regularly because they're only ones speaking truth and there ain't too many of those mm -hmm. um, who just think they have a free pass to, to, bla to blast away. Just blast away. Such yeah. a great look. I, yeah. I, I consume Kenneth Owens and Charlie Kurt regularly. I love them. Uh, and at the same time, there are times when they're so abrasive and snarky that is yeah. not honoring to Christ, yeah. period. Sure. I don't expect it from a Shapiro. He's not a Christian, right? But I, you know who I think? I'll give you an example. I'll finish. I'll talk all day about stuff. But uh, I think the best example I've seen on this consistently the last three years, overwhelmingly, now content-wise, it's Wilson, but in terms of the aroma of Christ, you cannot tell me any different. Read Uberman. <laughs> Read yeah, that's Uberman. what we were thinking. That's right. We all are right, unanimous. Good job there. But when you, when you throw in the cheerfulness component, because Wilson actually believes taking out emotion. He, I've heard him say, Douglas Wilson in sermons, if he's, he'll like pretend like he's got to blow his nose and like make sure no one sees him like crying or whatever. He does not believe that emotion should, he just preaches pretty straightforward. He seems yeah. like he's actually a very sweet emotive guy, but he just, it's all about preach the word and let God do the work. Um, but it's John Cooper of Skin. Mm -hmm. Have you been hearing about him? Mm -hmm. Start going against all the book stuff. Mm -hmm. and he's got a new book, Week with Being Woke, yeah. or Woke Week with Being Something Like That. Yeah. Dude, he is the most cheerful, sweet, 
smart, just self-deprecating, doesn't take himself seriously, yeah. really kind, hammers the book stuff. I don't know how he does it so well. And he's so freaking, nobody could say he's a jerk, yeah. not one. Yeah, he spends like an no. hour screaming at people at his concerts, but off stage, he's very yeah, kind. He's a rock and skip it up. It's catharsis, man. Yeah. Dude, yeah. He is the yeah. perfect yeah. example of how we are to be correctly winsome because, again, the, the guy's hijacked the winsome thing and it's just, it's just you know, compromised. He's a flawless example, in my estimation, of how to engage in the culture war with perfect discernment, give no quarter, um, no compromise, but he, he just exudes yeah. the pleasing aroma of Christ. I'm really frustrated there's one guy I can say that's it. Well, I want to, I want to come back to Well, hold on. I want to, can I mention something? Yeah. yeah. I love that you use that sort of, uh, you, you, use the, you use the phrase no quarter, like no quarter, no compromise. I, I love that. Um, I, I think that we can, I think that we can absolutely be that. I mean, that's one of the things that we're missing in this conversation, right? Is that you can absolutely be that. And 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 be loving at the same time, right? We be that, and be loving at the same time. And the thing is, the culture needs that. The culture desires that. You know, to, the, the culture desires a sense of of objective reality, of constancy, of, of being able to 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 dig into meaning and 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 have a conversation about what what is the underlying. Uh, uh, motivation behind everything that's happening here, right? And they go, I, I'm, I'm worldviewless. I don't know what I'm doing. Like my, my, my devices tell me who I am. My peers tell me who I am. I, I look in the mirror and I, I'm Charles Cooley, the, the really famous uh, uh, social scientist, he would say that we, we look into the mirror, we have the looking glass self, we're looking and we're developing our identities based on, on the reflection that we see, right? And, and how we feel like other people are seeing around us, yeah. right? And these are the things we're looking for. And when you walk in with a real Jesus, right? And you walk in and you, and you can meet somebody where they are. It's, it's unbelievable. People, people just gravitate towards it. Yeah. It, 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 yeah so I really appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I would only add that uh, I think, and this might be, this might appear self-serving and maybe in the end it is. Uh, I've found that, you know, the context is, can be interesting because as a shepherd who who feels a profound sense of responsibility to you know warn sheep of wolves and wolvish ideas, it's 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 um, it's not always as easy. You know, you you, you take again. You, you talk about the guys that sort of give everything's a pass and everything is Christ turning over the tables. Everything is, and yes. um, but there is a time for that. I mean, there is a time where you know the the, the caption in the newspaper would have caught Christ with the whip in his hand and the, and the veins sticking out of his neck and, you know, like lowly Jesus, meek and mild, where to go, you know. Um, I find that that for me is quite a challenge. Um, I, I don't, I, I think I, I still am applying myself to trying to rightly train, equip, warn uh, sheep of the errors that will will destroy. And maybe, maybe that was mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Moore's goal. Mm-hmm. He just never got around to, you know, describing it in such a way that it would have been winsome enough to go. I, I would like to pay attention to for this sure, because for sure. you actually care about these uh, very destructive ideas that will destroy people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do find that for myself, I, I I I often wrestle after the fact, you know, again in a cultural moment like the one that we're facing, where um, we're trying to make sense of all that's coming at us so quick. Um, I've, I've looked back several times and felt like, you know, I, I, um, I, I had the staff 
out, <laughs> you know, and I've had it out a lot, mm -hmm. and um, and I and I I um, I guess on the one hand, you you hope that the ABCs and the elementary nature of what we're to be mm -hmm. isn't lost, and so I, you know when you take on issues like the agendas of the LGBTQ, you know, mob, and my heart for someone who, who struggles with same-sex attraction, you know what I mean? I, I, it, those are, there, there's the public declaration of truth that isn't going to be, I, I've heard that there were some in the community that were taking snippets of my, whatever, whatever I would say, anything along the lines of homosexuality, then post it, mm -hmm. I'm not, because I'm not on social media. And I mean, sure, sure. And it was evidently some homosexual people. And it was meant to be like, hey, look, look at the hater. Hmm. I thought it was great. I'm just kidding. I no, I never, no, but I mean, it was just like, you know, that's, um, you know, how do you, how do you then, you know, um, stand, give no quarter yeah. um, in a way that, uh, you know, doesn't come across in that tone or mood that can be so aggressive. And, and that's, that is a... That's uh, something to really think through. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something to really think through. I, 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 I you know, as a listening, you go, I, I thought that the um, the Preston sort of handled himself with far more grace and, pa grace and patience mm -hmm. with this man, and he was yeah. just sort of a bulldog, nipping, 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 nipping. And I thought, man, I, again, I, I, that is not the kind of representation that I would like. Um, but I find that to be, I find the tone and the mood to be something that is can be difficult in my particular arena where I, I'm, you know, mm -hmm. the communication context is large and um, you can't say everything that needs to be said and cover every, you know, mm -hmm. please don't misunderstand me. You know, if I make a yeah. comment about the folly of having some of these discussions, you know, I'm in the back of my mind, I'm like, don't, don't forget to say, like, if anyone's here struggling with same sex, you know, struggling with your, your gender, we're sorry, you know. Um, it's just, it, it can be very, yeah difficult to navigate that. Um, I guess in the end, you can grow, we can grow, thank God. Um, and then sometimes I suppose you have to trust it. Put it this way, I've won arguments and lost the capacity. I've lost mm -hmm. friends and I've actually, you know, brothers. And you go, well, that's, that's, uh, that's something I did far more early on than something that I regret deeply. You know, mm -hmm. I won the argument, doggone it. I mean, I was right. Yeah, yeah. But lost in the end. You know, I mean, I, there was a division there that God, you know, I wasn't quite around the corner enough to know that God hates division. And I was, mm -hmm. for something that was debatable, I, you know, where there could be latitude, I, I won the argument. And um, that that's a little bit of what I think we watched in that video. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to win. I just <laughs> want to win and be right. And you could have conveyed that a little bit better. Oh, why? Because it matters. People are going to suffer. Yeah. These ideas have consequences, and so to play around with them yeah, that's are a, going to yeah. are going to be like you don't want to be a part of leading anybody down a path that's going to destroy them. Mm. That, something along those lines could have set the tone a little bit better to go. Absolutely. Oh, he's just not hell bent on being right or heaven bent on being right. He just he does care that you know getting this wrong. 
It isn't just a matter of right and right. I mean, this is this is going to destroy people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, it's uh, yeah. it's a tricky thing. I, I like the way you you position it. Yeah. Um, that that mood is um, there's a it it has a context in which, if it's winsome and fruitful and appropriate, by all means, Christ definitely demonstrated that. But on the whole, just to be um, a blast, always. I mean, yeah, it's like, these are, it's like if you write an email in all caps, you, you lost them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is worldview. This is worldview conversation. I think that I, I agree. I think that if we would have led, if he would have led with a sort of, this is going to impact people's worldviews, mm-hmm. right? You have a lot of people. You have a lot of influence. You have a you have a, a giant uh, podium that you can speak from, and yeah. and people, if if they see. And I'm, listen, you know, I'm not going to call you a heretic, but if they see that you're endorsing somebody that's, that's teaching something and that leads somebody into a, 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 a place where they're astray, like, yeah, you've, you've, done, you've done the enemy's work for him. You know what I mean? Like, from the inside out. Like, are you aware that that's the case? Right? But that's a very, yeah. that's a much different conversation, right? And I think that we all need to be, we all need to be about that. We, we know, and I think one of the reasons why we're doing this, and Reed, you've been so great about leading this, is that we know how easy it is for a, a small worldview nuance to usurp God's sovereignty. Right, completely in someone's life. And all of a sudden, it turns into, and this is going back to the identity conversation. It turns into like, this is my identity, right? And my identity is now apart from God because I believe that I believe this little thing that wove itself into my life, and then all of a sudden, it is it is the core of, yeah. of who I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I that might be one of those ways that we have to. That's that might be the the tightrope that we have to walk, you know, to to be yeah. corrective. Okay. Read for, can I share a quick story that made me think of? Um, there's a book D.A. Carson has, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, he's the provost. And uh, it's about his dad, sort of a tribute to his father after he passed, and he shared this memory, it's always stuck in my mind. They were small, humble church, you know, like, you know, 40 people or something, and uh, it was just, it was a normal Sunday, and he goes to find his dad in his office, you need to ask him something, and he usually did some stuff in his office after the sermon. He sees through the crack in the door, his dad's on his knees, weeping on the ground, just a regular Sunday, um, for the souls of non-believers he knew he was there. So like to the Dr. Moore, to any of us, like when's the last time you wept for that family member that's not saved? Where's your brokenness for people that don't know Christ? Mm-hmm. You know, sacred or first, St. Corinthians 5, 17, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. It's mm-hmm. going to decide why. Yeah. Like It's not enough to say that you're celibate and gay Christian. It's not enough to say, um, no, God healed the gay. It's a change of orientation, side X. But side Y, it's like, no, it's your new person. You have a new nature. Ontologically, you're different. Mm-hmm. And you want people to experience that. Yeah. Or just mm-hmm. that even you're not, that you, even if you're we're always straight or whatever, just that... Uh, By the way, I just want to insert this real quick. I think if we could take Jared's kind of position on anything, I would say I believe that that's what why Jared was so passionate in speaking the way that he was Mm -hmm. is that I think he's trying to underscore how important it is for people to know that they can be delivered from this rather than to toy with the idea and just express the idea and explore the idea, but to make sure that people know that there's freedom from this thing. So I think that there's, I think there was a redemptive aspect that he was trying to aim at, even if he didn't communicate it well. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're, I'm sure he has deep. If you glance at his Twitter feed, you, you do see a deep passion for people to think correctly about homosexuality. It's just, I can't. I just can't imagine some person on the fence looking for questions. As problematic as Preston is, dude, they're going. They're going to ask him questions. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go to Jared Page and uh, see a man who weeps for homosexuals because he wants them to know the freedom of Christ. They mm-hmm. don't feel that. I'm not the feeling. The 11th commandment ain't true, bro. That should be not nice is not true. But kindness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. However, I, 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 however, I'm, I'm curious what they get when they go to Preston. Right? The, the, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I, I think I'm, they I'm would be better off going to jail. I'm not team either of them. Either. Uh, I, I, yeah, if you're going to reach out, I 100%, 1 million percent, reach out to Jared Moore if you question. <laughs> Absolutely no question. Uh, what I'm saying is I think they're less likely to. I That's agree. the problem because we don't actually think Preston's wise in this stuff. Yeah. So there's got to be a way of balance. And you're going to hear me contradict myself and then, uh, I don't know, you're going to hear me contradict myself repeatedly in what I'm about to say. But um, just a couple of thoughts, <laughs> because I think this is an issue of balance. And, and I almost think we see this in the scripture, too, in terms of things that seemingly contradict each other. But really, it's just trying to help us shape a holistic worldview on this stuff. Um, but hearing all of this makes me just think, guys, I and in obviously in a much lesser position than you, but on my podcast, um, I, I get tone uh, policed all the time, right? And I just wonder how much anymore in our culture today that is so anti-truth that you're really not going to be labeled somebody that has tone issues or somebody that's being too dogmatic or whatever. Um, I also know that courage is way harder than cowardice. And there's going to be ways in which we have to push against ourselves in the sanctification process, push against our niceness that is more cultural than it is Christian in order to truly obey Christ. Sometimes there's just, I'm just going to tell you, and we can at a different time hash out contextuality here, but there are people in the Bible that make you feel uncomfortable with the way that they handle things. And we have to be willing to accept that. Um, and the other thing is I would say, uh, and this is kind of taking the other side here. I also wonder about idolatry and whether or not anger is idolatry. You know what I mean? If, if it's just way easier to express ourselves in anger because that leans into who we are by nature. Um, I hope that's not true of me, but I also know this, man, this is probably one of the things that I struggle with the most in terms of how do I effectively confront, but not be uh, contentious. How do, how do I wade into this issue as assertively as is necessary based upon the reality of what this thing will do in people's life, but also do it in a way where people understand my heart and they don't misperceive my motives. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing too is that like I'm really deeply concerned that we have so many cowards that we need to communicate a message that almost pushes people towards making mistakes so that they will be okay understanding you're going to screw this up, but you will not get it right unless you screw up, unless you try. If you avoid conflict, and I think the church has done this for far too long, you will never be good at the thing that you always avoid. And so we have to wade into conflict even if we mess up and make mistakes, I think, so that we can learn how to do it effectively, so that God can reprove us, so that the people who we're talking to can even potentially reprove us, so that we can so that we can get it right. I just know this, if we're always so deeply concerned about being perfect in these things that we never wade into difficult, contentious conversations, then we will probably continue on the spiral that the church is on right now, where we are losing culture and losing people. Agreed, I, th- I thought that was well said on both uh 
on both accounts. Um, I mean, you know me, I, I think I would disagree a little bit, or maybe a lot of bit, with the, the sh- strong restraint of emotion, you know, in the pulpit. No, I, I disagree too. Meaning I, I, I mean, you've seen me, I mean, I, yeah. s- some of the stuff bothers me so much that I can't, I, I don't have any other word. I just, it mm-hmm. just hurts me to the core to I think, think that with the church is being led in so many ways uh, down a path that is going to be so destructive, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it breaks my heart. Um, so, you know, you got to trust that perhaps because the God, you know, God is, I, I, he, he made our personalities. He's, he's put us together as we are. We are emotional creatures. He emotes, gets angry, um, um, weeps. Um, I, I think there's a place for that. But yeah, um, I totally disagree with him on that point, by the way. But a lot, yeah, but I agree. But I do, I do, I do agree with uh, Reed that um, we are in a time where I guess we're going to be forced, aren't we? I mean, if we say it, there are things that we believe that will matter. I mean, they matter. They will, they, and then they'll matter if we get them wrong to others in a, in a profound way. Mm-hmm. That if we just, you know, if we just stay silent on things that are profoundly broken, uh, yeah, all under the banner of I was the nice one, I think that's a great error. You know, I think I think it is a great error, and I think you will make mistakes. Uh, wading into that territory, I think that there's a certain sense in which, like complaining, you know, the children of Israel, it started. There was a murmur, mm-hmm. and then two million people are murmuring. Is 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 sort of contagious? I think courage can be contagious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, so um, in a sense, I hope that in some of the ways that. Uh, we deal with some things. Some folks can look on and say, "Okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid to, to take an appropriate stand in this particular place." Uh, but we will get it wrong. I mean, we, we will get it wrong. I mean, golly, we're, um, and thank the Lord that you know people's souls aren't hanging in the balance because we've got the right words, or the right tone, or whatever. I mean, yeah, the end, my gosh, that's a big mind blank thing, yeah, right? Right. And Jesus saves people regardless of what we, yeah, yeah, how I mean, perfect that's, we are. That is uh, right. <laughs> yeah. That is God, God to be freeing. I God mean, you speaks know. through stupid. That's <laughs> yeah. what I like. Well, to say. always. I mean, there yeah. aren't any. I mean, always. There's no other vessel available. There yeah. was only ever one. Right. Christ showed up and he did all things well. Mm-hmm. We essentially do all things unwell. And you know, we're somewhere along the line of perhaps yeah. making some sort of progress near the heart of God on particular issues, right? Near his his compassion, his truth and, and uh, his wisdom and perspective on various things. So I think you I think you navigate b- both of those uh, t- tensions very well. I, 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 and I sense it, you know, myself. So I just add that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right, fellas. Well, we've been at this after a while, and you're late, so we've got to let you go. Um, I'll just end with uh, a kind of final story that will underscore why this conversation, ours, but more broadly, the conversation about human sexuality is so important. Um, I can't help but wonder if we're seeing this conversation rise to the fore in, in, in especially Christian circles, um, because... One of the predominant ways that you can destroy a culture, destroy a society, is through sexual perversion. Now, I think about the incident of Peor, just to use a biblical example, where Balaam's trying to curse God's people and God won't let him do it, um, and he 
uh, tries to curse him multiple times and all that keeps on coming out of his mouth is blessing for the people of Israel. And then finally he comes up with, he concocts a plan that we hear about in Numbers 31 where he's like, all right, the only way that you can get these people to be cursed is if they start sinning against God and then God will be against them. So get all these Midianite women naked and throw them into the camp and then get them to fornicate with these women and then they'll be worshiping idols in no time. And so that was the plan. And so we see this in Numbers 31, how this plays out and why Moses uh, issues the the destruction of the Midianites. All that to say this, that one of the last resorts of the enemy when he cannot destroy a civilization is he will send from the inside out, he will send sexual perversion. And we're seeing that in full force today in our society because I believe that Marxists especially know that that is the way to destroy um, this, this great nation. Um, I, I care about it. I care what God is doing through America, around the world, and, and here. Um, I care about the people that will be impacted by this sexual perversion. I care, as you said, Pastor, about the exponential increase in depression, anxiety, and suicide rates that we're seeing right now that can't inevitably, even if I'm accused of cause correlation, uh, that can't but inevitably be as a result of people experimenting on themselves sexually. All that to say, uh, the consequences for bad ideas are high and we're seeing them all the time. So that's why it's important that I think we get these things right, that we talk about it effectively and we get down to the issues as they, as they really matter. So for our part, um, I hope we've done that at least in some small way and that it'll be beneficial to you guys at home. But thank you guys for being a part of this conversation. I can't yeah. wait to do it with you next month. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Absolutely. You. All right, guys, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, go with God.